Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 19 called, Our God is a Consuming Fire. I believe that our culture is as sick as it is because we have become consumed with self. And I want you to let that sink in. Our culture is probably as mentally sick as it's ever been in my lifetime because we are consumed with self and perception of self. Whether it's social media, whether it's the way we were born or what we think of ourselves, etc. You can walk it out in all sorts of moral dysfunction, brethren. This is where it is. And the Bible says there's a remedy for that. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes on God and get your eyes on others and you'll find great meaning. You know, they, they found that often uh, in the history of nations uh, that when a nation was self-consumed, it was very sick. And oftentimes what got nations out of that was going to war. You know why? Because when a war occurred, people's attention moved away from self-consumption to I got to fight for safety and freedom and family. And all of a sudden, all these people that were sick and you know, needed counseling, etc., all of a sudden were well again because their focus shifted. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? America has gotten to the point we've gotten to because we've become so consumed about identity and self instead of finding our identity in Christ. Well, you may say, well, then why the law? Well, the law was added because of transgressions till the mediator should come or to the, till the seed should come. Galatians 3.19 talks about this, that the law was given until the mediator would arrive or until the seed would arrive, that is Christ. And the law, we transgress, which really means we step over the boundary. And I want you to step back for a second and see Mount Sinai in your mind, see the boundaries, and we don't have a record that anybody crossed the boundary, but isn't there always at least one? You know, God says, tell people don't touch the mountain, tell people don't cross the boundary. There's usually always one that goes, is the paint really wet? Is the fence really electrified? (laughs) Right? There's always one in the group. But apparently the people did heed this. And so they listened to Moses, and God said, when the shofar blows, then you can come up. And so Moses went down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated the people, probably with a sacrifice. They washed their garments, 15. And he said to the people, be ready. For the third day, do not go near a woman. Now, what does that mean? Well, we know that God has blessed intimacy in marriage. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is to be honored by all, and the marriage bed is undefiled. God designed intimacy in marriage to be a beautiful, wonderful thing. And we need to make sure that we understand this in the church. This was God's design. Marriage was God's idea. Oneness was God's invention. 
God designed it. He, he made uh, male and female for that very purpose. And that's when we come together in that setting. And it is beautiful and wonderful and freeing. And we should hold that up to our culture today. But there was a, there's a time here where you're getting ready to meet the living God where you're told, don't be involved in intimate relations. Why? Well, because it was a very special occasion. And 1 Corinthians 7, 5, if you're taking notes, says that you and your spouse can agree not to come together sexually for a time to dedicate yourselves to prayer and maybe even fasting. But it has to be agreed upon, and it only has to be a short while, lest by not coming back together, the devil get a foothold in your relationship. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. And so I think this is just simply saying, yes, marriage is good, intimacy in marriage is good, but this is a special occasion, so I want you to wash your clothes and steer clear of intimacy for this time. Psalm 24, 3 says, Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek thy face, even Jacob, Selah. This was a song, and it asked the question, who may ascend the holy hill of the Lord? And there's a modern song that says, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not give our souls to another. Amen. Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that's why we need a foreign righteousness to come in to us. That's why holiness comes to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ, who when dying on the cross, there was darkness and there was shaking of the earth and there was all these manifestations of judgment as Jesus was taking the judgment for us. And so get ready, prepare your heart, prepare yourself, prepare your body. And so it came about on the third day because God always keeps his promises and his calendar. When it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. The third day the manifestation came. God came down. Notice what happened. Thunder, lightning flashes, a thick cloud upon the mountain and the trumpet was also blowing simultaneously. Sights and sounds electrified the air. I mean, it was just going crazy. And the people were trembling. Or to steal a line from the Wizard of Oz, tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's over. I mean, it had to be a heavy, heavy time. The people were trembling. And Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy 9. I think it's verse 19. And he says, I was shaking with fear because I'm the guy that's supposed to go and talk to him. Right? Imagine being Moses. The people were saying, yeah, you go talk to him. Tell us, tell us what he says. Yeah, go, go ahead, Moses. Aren't you glad you signed up for the ministry? Isn't that wonderful? You thought you were just going to have to preach and lead them. No, no, you're going into the fire. And Moses had to do that. Moses trembled. The mountain trembled. There was a whole lot of shaking going on. And in Hebrews 12, God says he's going to shake the world again. So that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
And taking us, fast-forwarding us to the second coming of Christ, says the world conditions are going to be very much the same. When the Lord appears, there's going to be fire and lightning and the blowing of the shofar, and the world's going to shake, and God is going to shake the world. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I've got news for the people of the world today who think that global warming's going to end the world. It ain't. The world's going to end when God says it's going to end. Now, I will tell you that it is important that we take care of the planet because we are stewards of the planet. But you watch this little girl. I don't even remember where she's from. She goes before this you know, group of people. You ruined our planet. Everything's destroyed. People are saying, in 12 years, the earth will burn up due to uh, global warming, maybe global freezing, maybe climate change. I don't know. What is it? Well, let me just say, climate has been changing. Since the beginning, it's called the seasons. You know, you have summer and you have spring and you have winter and you have fall. Now, in Southern California, you people don't know anything about climate changing because it's always 85. It's Christmas Day and it's 85 in Southern California. But look, the world is not going to end until God says it's going to end. And this current heavens and earth according to Peter, are being reserved for fire for the day of judgment. Peter says, in the last days, 2 Peter 3, 3, mockers will come with their mocking and they will say, where's the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, everything continues as it was. And Peter says, oh, but it escapes their notice that God did judge the world. He judged it with a worldwide flood. You ever stood at the Grand Canyon? You ever wondered how the Grand Canyon was created? Do you know the evolutionary scientists say the Grand Canyon was created by a river running uphill for billions of years? Uh, what? First of all, I didn't think rivers ran uphill. Secondly, how could the Grand Canyon be created by a river running uphill for billions of years? That is foolishness. There was a flood, people. And it created a lot of different things in this world that you can see. And the world is going to be judged again, but not by water. The second time is by fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And in that day, you want to be found in him. Amen? And he's put off his coming. He's patient. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. And let me just say, I'm going to say a word about worldview again. Because of these decisions that are being made about climate change and about things that are related to it, it is steering governmental decisions. It is, scaring, it is steering life choices among people. If you think your worldview doesn't matter, think about how something that is really, in my view, not even scientific, is steering our whole culture and causing disaster in a number of areas. This is where you need to understand your worldview matters. See, if you have a biblical worldview, you know, yeah, you steward the planet. Yeah, you take over it. You take care of it. But in the end, you are not going to determine when it all wraps up. God is going to determine that. When you stand before those three cans that you have like me, and you take your milk jug, and you say, oh, no, if I don't put it in this can, the planet's destroyed. No, you don't have that much power. I'm sorry. God is in control. God is sovereign. And I say all this just not to offend anybody, but just to say this. Your worldview matters. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And he's put off his coming. He's patient. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. And let me just say, I'm going to say a word about worldview again. Because of these decisions that are being made about climate change and about things that are related to it, it is steering governmental decisions. It is steering, it is steering life choices among people. If you think your worldview doesn't matter, think about how something that is really, in my view, not even scientific, is steering our whole culture and causing disaster in a number of areas. This is where you need to understand your worldview matters. See, if you have a biblical worldview, you know, yeah, you steward the planet. Yeah, you take over it. You take care of it. But in the end, you are not going to determine when it all wraps up. God is going to determine that. When you stand before those three cans that you have like me, and you take your milk jug, and you say, oh, no, if I don't put it in this can, the planet's destroyed. No, you don't have that much power. I'm sorry. God is in control. God is sovereign. And I say all this just not to offend anybody, but just to say this. Your worldview matters. And if you believe that God is sovereign and God is telling the story about how you should live and how it's going to wrap up, then you don't have to freak out about these things. The times will wrap up when God says they're going to wrap up. And not before, and not one day after. He has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. It's what we know as believers. And today, sadly, that is mocked by a lot of people. And so Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. What are we going to do today? We're going to meet God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Write that on your calendar. What'd you do today? I met God. Do you know what? You're going to meet God. And it ain't that far away. We're going to see him face to face. And here's the beautiful news. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. No more mourning, no more pain. Maybe he'll say it to us. No more mourning, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. The former things, they're gone. Behold, I make all things new. And you can take this to the bank because faithful and true are his words. And so the people Got a chance to meet the Lord. Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. The smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked violently. There was all these images of divine visitation. I do want to show you a few New Testament passages quickly, turning over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I've already uh, paraphrased Peter, so I won't take you there, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is what it talks about in terms of the return of Christ, tying it to the imagery of Mount Sinai. 2 Thessalonians 1.5 says, 
This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. What's that? Well, it's away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now notice this. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. Flip back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse 10. Here's what Jesus does for us. We're going to marvel at him that day. I think we're, we're going to be amazed at the appearance of our God, at the power of his divine manifestation. But here's what 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says of Jesus. We are to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus. What does he do for us? He rescues us from the wrath to come. It's not a popular topic, obviously, but there is wrath to come. And Jesus, when he dies on the cross, takes that wrath for us. If you're familiar with the gospel, you know that's what's going on at the cross, at Mount Zion, if you will, back to Exodus 19, and we'll finish it. Jesus is taking the wrath of God. So we don't have to face the God of Mount Sinai, but rather we can come to the mountain of mercy. And when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. The Hebrew word can mean loud, but I think here it means thunder. The, Moses would speak and, and it sounded like thunder to the people and it wasn't the angels bowling on top of Mount Sinai. So get that out of your head. It was thunder, but it was the voice of God. That's all you can compare it to. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire, Deuteronomy 5.4. Deuteronomy 5.24 says, you said, behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. We've heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he lives. They go on to say, Deuteronomy 5.26, for who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Israel had this moment like, we've heard the voice of God and we've lived to tell about it. God has spoken in history. Sinai happened. Bethlehem happened. Jesus arrived on the scene and God has spoken. And in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Amen. If you want to know what God has to say, study the life of Jesus. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, 20. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Now, either Moses is in tremendous physical shape, or there was a ski lift on Mount Sinai. What do you think? Or an elevator. I don't know. Was there a divine elevator? I mean, how many times does this guy have to go up and down? He's 80. (laughs) I mean... Even if he was in triathlons for a while, I would be getting tired. Lord, do you have an elevator? Can one of the angels pick me up? How many times do I have to go up and down and down and up? Maybe he gave him divine energy. I don't know. 
So he went up. The Lord spoke to Moses, go down. Ah. And warned the people, lest they break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Several warnings. Also let the priests, I think this is probably the firstborn of each family. There's no formal priesthood yet. Who come near to the Lord, consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Be careful. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou didst warn us, saying, set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Okay, Lord, you've told us. We get it. We're not coming until you say. Then the Lord said to him, go down and come up again. You and Aaron. Yeah, you got to feel for Moses there with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. I think of Uzzah in the Old Testament who tried to steady the ark when it was being moved the wrong way. And he touched the ark and God killed him on the spot. I think of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament who came to give an offering. Here's all the money we got from the land sale. Peter said, is that all the money? Yeah, it's every penny. Okay. Husband drops dead. Wife. (laughs) Hey, this is the Lord, right? Wife comes in. Peter says, uh, uh, we'll talk about your husband later, but is this the amount that you sold for the land? Wife drops dead. See, our God is holy. And this is something that we don't want to mess with. And so Moses went down to the people and told them, don't pass through the bonds, you know, follow the rules. And let me just show you uh, something from Exodus 20 and we're done. This will explain a little bit more of what was going on. Look at verse 18. If the worship team can hear my voice, why don't you come on out? Exodus 20, 18 says, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid for God has come in order to test you. Notice, here's purpose of this coming the way it happened. In order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. And so the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. And then the Lord begins to speak to Moses, and we'll study this in a later uh, time together. The people were overwhelmed by the appearance of God. And some of you may be saying, well, wasn't the glory cloud there by day, leading them by day, and then the pillar of fire by night? Didn't they already have a sense of the awesome presence of God? I think that that glory cloud was just a small taste It was just a small sample. But Sinai was a fuller reveal of the power and majesty of God. Can I ask you, is this the God that you worship? Is this the God that you have come to know? Do you understand how powerful he is? Do you understand he spoke sea creatures into existence and seas and dry land, names every star by name, holds them together by the word of his power? This is the one who holds me together. This is the one that says, of all that he made, the only one made in his image is human beings like you and me. The ones that he chose to save by the gift of his son are human beings like you and me. He loves you. This is the God to whom we must give an account. But this is the God who's loved us from the very beginning. Amen? He's good. And he has made a way for us to come and be with him. Thank you, Father. 
You've been listening to Our God is a Consuming Fire, Part 6 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 19. If you missed any part of today's program or parts 1 through 5, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. You can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. We are now only $8,000 away from our goal of being 50% funded by listeners before our fiscal year ends on March 31st. Thanks so much to all our Walk in Truth partners. And a special thank you to Karen listening to the podcast for recently becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month. Also, thank you, Eddie, for your one-time gift of $30, Tom for your gift of $200, and Lori for your gift of $100. Thanks for believing in this mission and partnering with us. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. That will really help us to meet our mark. Visit walkintruth.com today to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's series of teachings in Exodus 20 about the Ten Commandments. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.